Well, welcome everyone to Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to giving you, our financial professionals, and our associates an inside look at the key conversations that are going on in and around here at Cambridge. So I'm one of your hosts, Val Vest. I'm first vice president of strategic planning and innovation. And joining us today to talk about all things recruiting and transition is vice president of business development, Matt Goodwin. Matt, I'm so excited to be with you here today. It's my pleasure, Val. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, you might know this already, but we always like to get started on Let's Talk by learning about how, you know, how did you get into this industry? I always like to joke around that none of us are, you know, sitting in elementary school thinking, hey, I want to be in financial services. So um, what's your journey look like? Yeah, actually, I, I find it very interesting to hear how people have arrived in this industry. There's always a number of uh, great stories. And, you know, like to your point, it's not on anyone's plan to uh, probably be a financial advisor when they're in, you know, fifth grade or or something of that nature. But my story goes back to uh, after spending 13 years in retail management, I decided to make a career change. And I had a very close friend of mine who introduced me to the president of a broker dealer in RAA, which in my mind was quite a bit of a stretch from retail management, but he recognized personality traits and characteristics that he thought would be a great fit to be an advisor. So uh, this was in 2001. I studied and got my seven and 66, and I became an advisor inside of a financial institution. And I did that for a number of years. And then I got into the back office to head up and actually start a fixed income trading desk. So I was a bond nerd. Uh, I was, I was, <laughs> I did not know this about you. <laughs> I was, yeah, I can, we can talk yield to maturity, yield to calls and durations and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, that's what I did. And I was helping a lot of our advisors because most of them were actually in financial institutions as well. And to try to help them identify and support their banks and managing their bond portfolios. So I, I did that. And then I started doing some AML and all kinds of fun compliance things. And after several years, I ended up becoming the successor president and chief compliance officer of the broker dealer and RAA. So wait, we have a former compliance officer doing business development and sales? I know, right? It's uh, It kind of contradicts itself. While I would say that, um, le let me put it this way. Yes, I was the chief compliance officer. However, I didn't ever really technically apply for the job, but nonetheless, the board of directors saw it fit that I was going to fill that position. So I did that, you know, the CCO of the BDNRA for uh, about, uh, I was a president for four years and I was the chief compliance officer for two. And it, it was a very, it was a very interesting journey and I learned so much. And while that wasn't my nature, because I really feel like there's a calling and, and it takes a special personality to really be that solid compliance person, it did allow me to really understand and respect, you know, that that balance of, of the day-to-day -day reality of running a, a business for the advisors, but also the need to keep in mind of the regulatory boundaries that we have to abide by. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I've never really had a background in compliance, but have a lot of respect, they, you know, keep us safe, keep protect us from Absolutely. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, compliance's job is, you know, to, to keep everybody's doors open to keep us safe and keep us moving forward. So um, in 2012, I came to Cambridge and I had the pleasure of working with Jeff Avakwa and our founder, Eric Schwartz, with uh, acquisitions and succession plans for three years. 
And I learned a tremendous amount working with them and doing that for three years. And then in 2016, I moved over to business development, which was more aligned with what I was doing as president of the broker-dealer in REA, and got back to my roots of recruiting and working directly with uh, branch builders and advisors, you know, coming over to the firm. So I've been doing that since 2016, and that wraps up my 21 years in the financial services industry. Well, I definitely learned a few things about you. So thanks for sharing that. And that's exactly why we like to do, um, you know, do that and learn more about the journey. So now I'm going to start asking you the tough questions. How about that? Fair enough. Fire away. All right. Uh, Let's start off just maybe for those who aren't as familiar with recruitment and transition here at Cambridge. What's that process like? Yeah, it's, um, you know, for people that have been and worked with other firms, it is unique. It's different because we take a very different approach. Our objective is to make it a very consultative approach. We really want to get into the the challenges and the needs of what they're looking for. And I always use the analogy, it's it's like a courtship. You know, when when you're looking to join a firm, uh, at least from our perspective, it's we're getting married. You know, this is a long-standing partnership that we're going to be working together for a long period of time. So to take the time to really understand their business model, not just their pain points, but really how can we apply value? And I think that, you know, most marriages, you know, you don't date for a week or two. And most marriages, as I say, you don't date for a week right. or two and get married. So I, I think that there's a much more extensive courtship that happens here at Cambridge because we really do try to vet everything possible uh, in advance to make certain that we really can apply the value and we really are the best fit. Uh, ultimately, we want finished professionals to, to find that happy home. To, to be honest, you know, if, if Cambridge can fulfill their needs, then we'd love to have them. But um, ultimately, we want them to be happy where they're at. Yeah, I think going into it with that long-term marriage analogy, you know, helps because it's it is about um, making sure it is the right fit. So that's really good. That's really good. So what can a financial professional, you know, it is a maybe a long courtship, could be a long courtship, depending on what they're looking for. Um, what should they expect as they go through the process? A thousand questions. <laughs> so, you know, really um, kudos to our recruiters and our transition team. So Lizzie Warner is our vice president of transitions and sign of business development, and she runs a fantastic team. Their job is to ask the, the most minuscule of questions because, you know, transitions, that, that can be challenging. The whole recruiting process can be overwhelming. And really, if you take the time to get to know someone to understand their office, their admins, their client, their book of business, and not just where it is today, but where they want to see it in three, five, 10 years, you know, and again, about that marriage analogy and about that partnership, we want them to come here. We want them to grow with us. We want them to, you know, find value in the relationship, but we also want them to be here long enough that they're working with us regarding their next gen, you know, and how do we continue their legacy beyond their time in the industry? So, you know, it's a much more detailed approach And by doing that, it provides a better experience when they transition over. That way, you do the best job possible to try to minimize those speed bumps during the transition. But if you really do take the time to get to know them in their book of business, then uh, it can be the best possible experience. I love that you're doing that kind of where they want to go as well, because to make this change, you know, it's that old saying, what got them, you know, here, what got you here won't get you there. So obviously they're making a change for a reason. They have a place that they want to go to. So not just can we 
we fit what you and do and have and support everything that you have right now, but can we do that for you the next five, 10, 15 plus years? Cause just like a marriage, you know, it, it can, it's a lot of work to change and to plan a wedding and to do all that. So I'm building off that analogy there. Talk about some of the resources that we make available to financial professionals during the recruiting process. And maybe specifically, um, I know there's a lot, we have a lot, but what are the ones that you see financial professionals leverage the most? So I'm going to put a little bit of a spin on that. Uh, obviously, we have a tremendous amount of resources. In fact, I would challenge anyone to you know, point out a firm that has more resources you know, in the competitive space. But to me, it all boils down to essentially one answer. And the most valued and most utilized resources is our home office staff. You know, we have 950 home office associates in their own right are all subject matter experts in different categories in the industry, you know, by teams and by departments. And frankly, recruiting a transition is only successful because we get to leverage and use them during that process. And everyone is just absolutely fantastic uh, when it comes to helping and talking to, you know, people that are considering Cambridge. So really the most valued and most used resource is actually our people because we can give an overview from a recruiting and transition perspective, but to actually speak to the people that are going to be working with them on a day-to-day -day basis in their office, whether it's themselves that are admins, they're going to be working with them and their clients. That's where the true value comes in. So to be quite honest, I think our, our most valuable and most used resource is our home office associates. Oh, you know, it's so funny that you said that, not funny, but, uh, when I think about the opportunities I have to talk to our recruits, some of what's so much fun is, you know, answering questions, giving them the different options, and then connecting them to the next three people that they need to talk to that have, you know, this, that they're knowledge experts in that particular area. And I would suspect everyone's probably doing that. So the, by the time we have someone new here at Cambridge, they've met so many people across the firm. Correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. That's great. Next up, I'm going to go back to the easy stuff. Maybe it's easy. Uh, towards the end of the episode, we like to have a little fun and continue to kind of get to know you on a personal basis. So maybe what you could, could share with me one skill that you think everyone would benefit from. Honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to use one that's one of our core values. And, and honestly, I see this on a day-to-day -day basis, not only inside of business development, but also throughout Cambridge. And, and certainly, Val, you know, is the different councils and committees that you've served upon and the amount of decisions that we make on a daily basis. I would say the one skill that's unique that we use that everyone has the ability to use is kindness. And, you know, I think in this industry, that is probably the most undervalued skill set that's used. Because uh, it's so easy to make business decisions for the best interest of the company or from a regulatory perspective. But you know, as well as I do, when you infuse kindness into that decision making process, it's not as simple. It's not as cut and dry. You know, how do we how do we do it in the best interest of our client, the advisor, and also to support the, the needs of their clients? So by utilizing kindness and it, it changes the dynamics of the relationship, again, going back to that partnership and. And certainly coming off of Ignite and all the experiences that we have and that togetherness, you know, you can you can embrace and feel that kindness throughout the partnerships and relationships we have. Yeah, I think kindness, it is unique 
here, you know, having that as one of our values, I, it also, it helps us with our, it helps you live out a purpose as an individual, as well as a company and that purpose of making a difference in people's lives. And so that's my favorite one. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was pretty serious. I'm going to keep pushing you to have a little bit more fun. Rapid fire questions. What was your first job? First job. uh, It was not an easy one. My father was third generation uh, in in construction. So uh, I grew up, you know, 12 years, 13, 14, you know, all through my teenage years working construction. That was digging footings, pouring foundations, building homes. So we did everything from foundations to finish work inside the house and, and roofing and everything in between. So that's how I spent my teenage years. And uh, while it certainly was hard work, you know, you learned skills of the trade and you pick up a lot of different information and knowledge. But, you know, there was also a sense of accomplishment when you started with uh, a plot of land and, you know, and you you walk away and you have somebody, you know, using a key to open up the front door of their new home. So uh, there's definitely a sense of fulfillment with that. But I'm glad I'm not doing that today. <laughs> it was very, it was very challenging and hard work, but um, yeah, that was, uh, I think that taught me a lot about uh, hard work and a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are you a, a DIYer at home or opposite of that because you've been there, done that? Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things when, when you grow up and you're being forced to play a sport, you know, when you get older, you probably won't play that sport. I tend to uh, outsource as much as I possibly can. <laughs> not not to say that I can't do it, and uh, there's not an extensive honeydew list at any given point in time of projects that uh, my wife has wanted me to work on, which which eventually will get done. But yeah, I, I certainly outsource when I can. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right, what's your favorite word? Favorite word to me, that's an easy one. Uh, favorite word is family. Mm-hmm. So when I look back at my life. And all the decisions I've made have always been based on what's in the best interest of not just me, but collectively for my wife and my kids, you know, and they've always been the driving factor behind everything that I've done. And, and uh, you know, times when things get tough or you're in a challenging spot, you know, they're, they're really the source of inspiration. So from a personal perspective, you know, family is, is certainly uh, my favorite word. And, and also, ironically enough, you know, going back to the relationships we have inside of Cambridge that carries over here in a professional perspective because our relationships with our advisors become friends and family. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's something magical when you go to these events like Ignite or any, any of the Cambridge events and you get to spend time with these people. So it it really is enjoyable when, you know, families are driving nature from a personal perspective, but you also get experience that in a professional, you know, setting as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. What's your favorite subject in school? It's a two-part answer, maybe. (laughs) The subject that probably came easiest was math. Uh, Math was something that I can embrace. It was logical. You know, you can work your way through. So math usually came fairly easy to me in school. Now, as I've grown up and I reflect back on my school years when I actually paid attention, I was somewhat of an introvert in school, which is kind of ironic because I was usually the class clown. Uh, I had no problem, you know, cracking jokes and having fun and and pulling pranks. But when it really came down to it, I had a really hard time getting up in front of people and speaking. So probably the most valuable class in school was probably speech classes. And it's not something I would have elected to choose to, to go do because it was outside my comfort zone. 
But when I look back on it, it probably provided me the most personal growth of actually, you know, getting up and gathering thoughts and, and speaking to groups of people, which today, obviously, uh, we do frequently now, don't we? Yeah, it's interesting. I think in general, with school, you know, we think it's the subjects we're learning, but it's really the how to think, how to reason, how to solve problems and how to speak in front of people, you know, that is really what we're learning. Yeah. All right, Matt. So in one sentence, describe for me what you want listeners to take away from this episode of Let's Talk. The one takeaway I would say is to remember our mission statement. And that's about making a difference. You know, our objective here at Cambridge is to make the difference in the lives of our advisors, you know, their clients and our home office associates. So when you know that that's the driving force is you and collectively the people we work with, I think that changes the perspective of the purpose of what we do inside the home office. So when we say that, you know, we really value the feedback, we value the interaction and the input from the field and from our associates, we're always trying to better our position. We're trying to better who we are. And that comes from everyone that we work with. So I think the biggest takeaway is, is remembering our mission statement about making a difference. Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's what certainly I know for me drives me, you know, gets kind of gets you up and going every morning is because you know that you can continue to learn, continue to grow and um, just continue to evolve. So, well, Matt, thank you for today. You really, I feel like opened up. We know Matt better, but we also know what it's like to be a recruit here at Cambridge and what that process can look like. So I appreciate your time today and for joining me on this episode of Let's Talk. Thanks so much for having me, Val. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to giving you, our financial professionals and associates, an inside look at the conversations going on here at Cambridge. Let's Talk is easy to find. All you have to do is go to CIR2.com, click on the News and Events tab, and finding the Let's Talk podcast under Communications from Cambridge.